Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This morning, as you can see from the video, we're beginning a series of teachings entitled, At Long Last. And this week, which is the first week of Lent, we sense we're to begin this series. And what we hear God saying is that this Lenten season, this season running from now into Holy Week is really important. I hope some of you checked out the Friday night chat. You can still see it. I felt like it was an important Friday night chat because it dealt with a pivotal time in the ministry of Jesus. And this is a pivotal time for us, especially as we begin to experience a touch of release into a new season. And I believe it's going to be both personal and corporate, and how ratified was that by God in terms of the prophetic activity this morning. Now, I really enjoyed that introductory video. That was Allie and Bob Stevens' son, Tyndall, and we're never allowed to see what's on the other side of the door because it's something different for each of us, right? But having said that, I got to believe it was a brand new puppy, (laughs) <laughs> I really do. No kid reacts like that without a puppy, right? So, so as you see this morning, we've opened up the microphone so people can share prophetically uh, in tongues, testimonies. We can do stuff honoring the active gifts of the Spirit. And as we continue to see the downticks in daily cases, we hope that very shortly we're going to go back to our position regarding masks right before the holidays hit and then even loosening up more as we go into the spring. So, like, keep digging. You dig it? (laughs) So throughout the scriptures, God has allowed his people to experience these quarantines that we heard preached about by Elliot Tepper. And as release comes from the quarantine, ministry and fulfillment follow. That was the word that was ratified this morning in all the prophetic activity. And this was the theme of the prophetic teaching as well coming into this time when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. We became like those who dream again. I'm up for that, yeah? I got some dreams to be fulfilled at my, at my late age, right? So then we're all familiar with the idea of waiting on God. Like how many oodles of messages have we preached about waiting on God? But you see, waiting on God isn't like waiting for a bus. Are you there? It is not a passive process. You got to dig. Waiting on God is more like waiting on a table for a very important visitor. Waiting on God is more like serving someone. There's something about waiting that is as an active uh, principle. When we wait on God for the fulfillment of a vision or promise, the waiting is like that. It's a work that as we work it out, it kind of builds even a little bit of an emptiness in us, a void, because we long for the waiting to be fulfilled. Yeah? That unfilled void is a captivity of sorts. But the time has to come when we say, you know what, I crossed a line, or I'm crossing a line. The, the time has to come where we cross Jordan, right? We cross the Dead Sea. The time has to come. And so the title of this message is this, it's awakenings are essential, because every time the time comes, God has to awaken us to the reality of it. Huh? 
It's not a matter of rationale. It's not a matter of setting some kind of linear historic timeline and saying, okay, this is it. No, God awakens us to what he's doing. And I can't tell you the number of times in my life where suddenly I'm awakened and I've said, oh my gosh, here I am. Lord, I look back on this quarantine and say, thy great wisdom, yeah? And the scripture's full of this. Jesus in the synagogue at Nazareth, where he read the scripture of Isaiah to the synagogue there, and they got all mad at him and so forth. That was a time when they never knew that that scripture was being fulfilled. So he had to tell them, he says, today this has happened. Huh? He awakened them to it. Jesus emerging from the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and 30 years of preparation where he was sequestered in Nazareth. I talked about that Friday night. You know, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Because all of the temptations of the devil seemed to say that he should stick around in Jerusalem and in Judea and dazzle them as this miraculous, miracle-working Messiah. But he hightails it for Galilee. As a matter of fact, the north shore of Galilee. was He hightails it to stay out of the limelight for as long as possible. Isn't that crazy? But he knew it was time. He knew something had happened. When Joseph was promoted to the court of the pharaohs after 13 years, Joseph was promoted to the court of the pharaoh just like that. And all the dreams were fulfilled. He went from dungeon to becoming the dynamic, the dynamic uh, leader of, the, of the, the most powerful nation on earth. Israel crossing the Jordan after 40 years. The landing of Noah's Ark after 370 days. How's that? Most of us think Noah floated around for a few hours or something, you know. 370 days if you calculate it in the book of Genesis. Eve being presented to Adam, which is what Trisha and I are going to be talking about today. The resurrection in which at long last death was defeated. The crucifixion in which at long last sin was addressed. David anointed king for the third time after being anointed as a child, anointed in midlife. Three times he had to be anointed and at long last he acceded the throne. Paul deputized into his missionary journeys at Antioch after 13 years. 13 years, Howard. 13 years. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we read the book of Acts, right? And then there's Paul on the road to Damascus, and he has this this transitional, transformational experience. And then, you know, a few chapters down the road, he's in Antioch being released into missions. And we think that happened in a couple days. 13 years, Paul disappears and emerges in Antioch. And at long last, his calling is fulfilled. I'm digressing here for a moment. Sometimes, especially during the season, we have to be able to distinguish because I believe there's all kinds of stuff going on politically and all kinds of other ways. You have to discern the difference between a cause and a call. Okay? You can have a cause, but the calling on you yet. Are you there? When Moses killed the servant of Pharaoh, he had a cause. Right? He realized who he was. He realized what had happened. He realized where Israel was. He discerned all that truth and he he moved out in a cause. Problem was, he was unprepared for the call. Forty more years it took him to move from cause to call. 
But the time came when a burning bush apprehended him. And at long last, God said, you know what? You're going back and you're going to fulfill the call. And you know what he said? I'm not ready. (laughs) He had to be awakened to who he now was and what he was going to be going to do. So this, anyway, my point is this, and it's the first of this, awakenings are essential. There are at long lasts throughout the scripture, and we're going to address them, and we're going to involve ourselves with them. So this morning we want to look at the seed plot of all the at long lasts. And it's in the book of Genesis, and it's my pleasure to ask my lovely wife to come up here and take over for a little bit, and then I'll be back up. Trish? Hello, family and friends. I want to start out first with a scripture, Psalm 42, which just goes along with everything that's been said this morning. And it's, why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become restless and disturbed? Hope in God. Wait expectantly for him, for I shall again praise him. And that's where we are now moving. We are moving into the release time. We need to keep holding on with hope. We need to keep waiting expectantly for God to move. So, this season, (laughs) this season, this prolonged, prolonged waiting season, for me has provoked something. It's interesting because a year before this season, I went to England with Linda Reese, and we did a women's conference on strength in every season. Only I was thinking of seasons like fall, spring, summer, not something I feel like I'd need to rewrite and relook at the whole thing because a prolonged season is very different. I don't think we think about how often there are different seasons in our lives other than just looking at, oh, there's a springtime in my life or, oh, there's a winter in my life. So this, this has provoked something in me, like a yearning in me. And we have our natural yearnings, actually. Um, we, in June, are going to be married 50 years. Woo! Yeah, that's not, that is something to talk about. <laughs> um, and I have this natural yearning. You kind of, I kind of feel homesick for England. Why? Because my mother was British, because I've been there, because I love it. But watching Doc Martin, I see the landscape. I see a town where my father's family was from. And I have this yearning to go back there. But I will tell you this, it's nothing compared to the yearning for God to explode into this scene. Having encountered in different movements, having encountered God and watching him move and leaving a deposit that never goes away, I feel like I can access every deposit God has given and brought forth and just pull it up at any moment. So I am in great expectation for him to move again. I wish I could figure out how he's going to do it, but I can't do that. All right, so I believe God is propelling us into his plans and purposes. So this desire, this longing, biblical history with that, it's, it's almost like a progression if you look at it. 
God allows mankind to experience a season of lack in order to awaken mankind unto their need. That's the first thing. Then second, he provokes us to desire. See, this is stirring in us as we have this lack, which provokes us to desire. Then the desire points to fulfillment because God always fulfills and that's meant to draw us closer to him. There's always a purpose. People would probably call me crazy, but with this past year, I feel a deeper stirring of God that he's about to move in an extraordinary way than I had in walking out my life the previous years before, the previous few years before. So my next point is each at long last arrived at launches a new chapter of destiny. I really do believe this is gonna move us into a new chapter of destiny. And I'm gonna give you a little example, which was my courtship. We dated for six years. We planned on getting married, which would be at long last. And we had our plan when we got out of high school, we're getting married. And my father said, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean I'm not? Well, you're gonna go to college. I don't wanna go to college. I'm not interested in going to college. Nope, you're gonna go to college. Then his parents go, we're not blessing it unless you go to school. And I know it was a different era then, but then we felt like we needed to honor our parents and we did that. So we went to school for four years. I cannot tell you, um, how that provoked us to desire, the ways and the things that we learned about one another, which we would not have learned, it really brought you to a deeper understanding and a deeper place that when that moment at long last came, we were in a totally different place. During that time, I visited my husband at school and ladies will understand this, because it wasn't my era. And I walk into his cafeteria and he's posted my girdle on the billboard. And I thought, what kind of a person are you? That sounds like a silly thing, but I mean, you need to work through stuff like that. <laughs> I need to work through stuff like that. I needed to work through before, not too long before, a year before, he felt like it was good to break up. To be honest with you, I don't even know if you know this, I was ready to break up with you, so you just, you just did it first. <laughs> so we had to work through that. And this is a biggie, this is a biggie. Proposal. What do we ladies think about proposal? This is my proposal. So you work through this stuff because you know that marriage is not the wedding, it's a life. The proposal was in the basement of a Boscov's over a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> My mouth, what are you gonna do? And it wasn't a diamond, let me just add that either. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? That sounds terrible. Okay, so that's my fun example. We're gonna look at the book of Genesis, chapter two, verse 18, where we encounter the first human at long last in scripture. And that's Adam and Eve in the counterintuitive way that God did 
his creation. And so I know I've just referenced something between a man and a woman, but it's so much bigger than that. And that's what that scripture is generally used for. And we couldn't deny that, but it's so much bigger. It tells us how God awakens us to our needs, our causes, and how we have to work through a period of waiting and what we do with that, which we have been doing this past year. In more ways than one, we end up being surprised at God's faithfulness and his method. So what did God awaken me to in this past year? Retirement. You would have thought at my age, I would have realized I should be retiring. I'm over 65. Actually, I'm over 70. So anyway, you would have thought I would have realized that, but God had to awaken me to that. I finished work thinking I was going back the, the next Monday. It didn't happen. COVID came. Then I'm getting um, people, and actually my coworkers all were thinking, why didn't she retire? Uh, because of my age. But I kept, I was getting prophetic words and God kept nudging. I had to be almost awakened to it because I didn't really plan on doing it. And my family helped awaken me to that as well because they did not want me going back. I'm a, I was a mammographer and you were this close to people when you were doing studies. So that's something I had to be awakened to. But I had that period of waiting and learning that this was the time. I really hadn't seen that this was the time. Okay, so let's look at verse 18 in Genesis. Then the Lord said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. The name for man in Hebrew is Adam. The name for God is Yahweh. That's his covenant name. So here there's a couple things here. In Genesis 1.26, it tells us, that Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. So we're still on the sixth day. It's not complete. The five days before, God creates and says it's good. Heavens, sky, land, stars. And here God says in 126, it's not good. It's not good that Adam would be alone because being alone is not in the image of God. God's in the Trinity. Now, I don't know that Adam thought of this because he walked with God in the garden. I don't know if he was really awakened to that point. So what was God doing through all this? He was creating elephants and there were male and female. He was creating birds, male and female, bumblebees, male and female. But Adam, there's something amiss. And the next point is God purposely created Adam incomplete. Why? Because the male needed the female. And we all know that working and functioning in our lives. One of my big mantras is, guys for me, this could only be for me, seem to deal in headlines. When you're dealing with women, you deal with detail. My husband and I see the same thing happen. He'll say, oh yeah, the car hit the tree on Camp Meeting Road. I said, no, 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 no. The blue car went down past Shirley's house. All the details fit in. That's the difference that the guys need us. I'm just letting you know. Okay, so God describes this, in, this incompleteness in verse 18. I will make a helper for him. Two things here. God created Adam out of nothing. 
Why didn't he do the same with Eve? But God doesn't make mistakes. He chose to make a special kind of person for Adam, and that person has a special functional title in Hebrew, which is Ezar, which means helper, helpmate, literally one who corresponds. And that's what Adam was not finding, and God had to awaken him to. So, the word which describes Eve has nothing to do with status. As a matter of fact, it describes two beings in scripture, woman and God himself. In Psalm 121, one and two, God is humankind's azar or helpmate. That's number one. Number two, the problem seems to be that Adam's not aware that he needs one. This is God's idea. It's not Adam yet aware. It's God's idea that he needs a helpmate. So, Another point is to have a long last, we have to have a long not yet. To have a long last, you have to have the long not yet, which is what we're having right now. It's interesting to me because if you are buying a house, you have a long not yet right now. People try to get a home, you can bid on five homes, six homes, seven homes before you ever get a home. I have been in shock because just over a year prior to COVID, if I take just like December before COVID to now, a house just sold for $95,000 higher. That's like just over a year. That's shocking to me how things have changed. And so people even looking for houses are having that long not yet. All right, back to Eve. God is not about to pop Eve into existence as he did Adam. He takes Adam on this long journey where he builds something in Adam. What God builds in Adam over time and work and search is a certain emptiness within him. So another point is waiting upon God is not a passive process. It's work. So let's look together at God's method in madness. All right, now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to livestock, birds of the heavens, beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper found fit. So God assigns a huge task to Adam. He has to name all these animals. Now we need to remember that the language at this time was still perfect on the earth. It wasn't confused like um, it's in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. So naming the animals kind of described the essence of that animal. And it's so interesting Proverbs 18, James 3 talks about the power of life and death in the tongue. This was literally the power of life in the tongue that he was bringing with these animals, naming like a tiger is grr, or a snake hisses. Who knows, but Adam had to work his way through all of these animals to conclude that there was no, nobody perfectly fit for him. And one last thing that's important is until this time in the Genesis story, Adam is referred to as the man. The word for the man in Hebrew are two words, ha-adam, 
Adam means man, but suddenly in verse 20, Adam is no longer the ha-adam. He's taken on an identity for himself. In not being able to find a helper, Adam has suddenly taken on this identity and he's come to the conclusion regarding who he is and who he's not and what he needs. So another point is in order to understand what we're waiting for, we need to understand what we're not waiting for. So I'll bring this uh, around to a conclusion. So then you would think that after all that time and all that effort naming all those animals, uh, and all that self-realization that was going on in the heart of Adam, that God's just going to do some kind of abracadabra now and create Eve, yeah? Wouldn't you expect that? But that's especially not what happens. So pick up in verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, okay, and closed up its place with flesh. Verse 22, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a womb man (laughs) and brought her to the man. Now, the word for deep sleep here is a rare word in the Old Testament. It means to render someone completely unconscious. And it's important because Adam doesn't know what God's up to, yeah? Now, the idea too also is the whole task of naming all the animals on the earth is exhaustive, okay? So God puts this deep sleep so Adam doesn't know what's up, and then God does surgery, He takes a rib, quote, rib, end quote, from Adam. And now I checked it out with Barry. I said, you know, what about this rib thing? Men and women have different numbers of ribs. And he said, well, there are people who have an extra rib. It's very unusual, and it's not gender specific. So probably all the people in this room have the same number of ribs. Trish and I have the same number of ribs. So something's going on here other than pure surgery, okay? So... Here's the thing. The word for rib in Hebrew has two meanings. It means rib, but it also means chamber. It can be translated rib, chamber, side, or even emptiness. Isn't that interesting? So there is an emptiness built into Adam that God extracts. The reason for this idea of emptiness is because our rib cage is one of the largest cavities in our body, but it houses our heart, which is what causes us to live, and it houses our lungs, which causes us to be able to get fresh air. So Adam's rib is important in three ways. It is part of him, it's living tissue, and it suggests a certain emptiness in him that God has created in making Adam name all the animals. He has no one that fits him. And the word to make here is the word to construct. Adam is constructed from nothing, right? God goes, let there be Adam, right? But Eve doesn't come that way. Isn't that interesting? Eve is a derivative of Adam. So God is working creatively toward an at long last. He's doing it so that Adam would understand the importance of who Eve was. I have this thing that, you know, after 40 years of pastoring, I have this thing where I really feel like most men think that their wives are lucky that they're marrying them. (laughs) It's called delusion. Anyway, so this is what's important about Adam's deep sleep. After all this, God was not going to reason him into seeing how special she was and how important she was. He had to be 
awakened to her. Now, I know we're talking about marriage and men and all, and women and gender and all that stuff here, but this is a pattern, and at long last throughout the scriptures. God has to awaken us in order for us to know how special the time of fulfillment is for us. It's beyond reason, it's beyond rationale. And so to go to an at long last, you have to become awakened to a fulfillment and we must be awakened to our own need in order to be awakened to the fulfillment, all right? So watch this. Adam, right, he's lost something here. So he's now less than he was before God did surgery. Only now with her is he complete in the image of God. Did you miss that? It's really interesting. Now, most Grobleski men, this is my family, I come from a big family, almost all Grobleski men had to be awakened to their deep need as well as the value of their spouses. Thinking of my brothers, my brother called me, you know, 26 years ago and said, I don't know if I want to get married, I'm dating, this is now my sister-in-law, So Wong, and he said, I don't know if I should do this, I don't know if I should make this commitment. I said, gig, you only come across a woman like this once in a lifetime. Don't blow this. Are you there? My son calls me one day, and he's dating this gal who we love, our daughter-in-law, and I'm thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Because whenever he was around her, his frontal lobes would grow, and he developed a brain. And so <laughs> I always wished you could have an interactive MRI machine to watch his brain change when she influenced him. And he was thinking of not doing it. And I said, are you crazy? This is a part of the trait of us guys. There is a profound temptation to boil all this down to marriage and gender, because right? I'm using these examples. But I could spend a whole morning unpacking all that stuff, but that's really not the purpose for us using this scripture. This morning we're talking about how God works when we are waiting and feeling incomplete, when things aren't going right, what Bethany prophesied, and when it ever seems to be going down and the fulfillment hasn't come yet, okay? So, God awakens Adam to Eve. Isn't that interesting? He awakens Adam to Eve. And check out what Adam says. This at long last is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. See, and at long last has been completed. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. That's a whole other morning. Okay, so it's difficult for me to point out how this sounds in Hebrew because there's all kinds of puns going on here. But to be quite frank, the way the words work in this passage, Adam is saying, va va voom, you know. Seriously, that's like, oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> and then God adds this crazy topsy-turvy statement. He says, therefore, watch this. This is crazy. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or stick like glue or cling to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Okay. So realizing and at long last means commitment. It means leaving something else and committing 
to this thing that God is fulfilling us with, whatever it is, whether it's a job, whether it's a call, whether it's a, a, a person, whether it could be anything, whether it's a new relationship with a child, whether it's a new relationship with a parent. When the long last come, there's some leaving and cleaving to do. Now, this is the interesting part for me. Okay, when you just take this as men in marriage, when you go that way with it, almost all of the cultures in the world in history, anthropologically, it's the woman who leaves with the man, who cleaves to the man. The, the woman leaves her household and goes off with a guy and they start a new household. Am I right? You know, I mean, even in Hebrew households, this is what happens. So what's being talked about here isn't a physical leaving and cleaving, it's an emotional leaving and cleaving. Are you there? And guys, guys, we have a hard time doing this. Women don't so much. We have a hard time doing this. Uh, so in almost all the cultures. So I don't think this is about the sociology of gender. I think that when God fulfills things, we have to be ready to let go and ready to embrace anew. Are you there? And this is what the word of the Lord is for this morning. It was interesting. I was preaching this in Southern Africa a bunch of years ago, and there was a tribal apostolic leader. And he heard me preach this, and he wanted to go back to his tribe and make all the men leave their families and go with their wives' families and change the whole matriarchal structure, patriarchal structure of the households. I said, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. This is about your psychology as a guy saying, man, I want to learn. I want to be awakened to what God has for me, and I want to chase it down. Every at long last involves letting go, denying yourself in order to attach yourself to God's purposes. Yeah? Every at long last involves self-denial, self-realization. And this is what Jesus did when he became one of us. Huh? This is what he did. And, and this is what he is yet to do when he comes for us as his bride. Huh? When Jesus is coming, and I preached in the second coming to a whole pile of Asians about three weeks ago. It was so refreshing. This is online from India, Pakistan, and all they wanted to hear about was the second coming, what the kingdom of God is like. I mean, they didn't want to talk about masking and anti-masking and politics. Their countries have their own problems. They just wanted to know what Jesus and the kingdom is about, right? So when the ad long last comes, what's really interesting we always picture the coming of Jesus like, oh, no, don't come now. I've got I have things to do, you know. Don't come now. I want to have kids, you know. Don't come now. I'm supposed to get married next week. But the thing is, when Jesus comes, the attitude of the coming Christ toward all humanity is going to be judge. But toward the church is going to be at long last. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He's yearning. This time that we're doing this stuff on earth, he's, there's a, if you could, a figurative emptiness going on in the heart of God. Like, I want to get to my bride and live forever. How cool is that? That's a quarantine from God. All right, let's pray. Can we stand? Look, if you don't know what I was talking about um, and you're online or here and... Uh, and you think, I, I feel something that's right about this, but, but I don't know what he's talking about, Jesus and the bride. Look, you need Jesus in your life. It's that simple. He's God. 
He's your king. He's your Lord. He's your master. I don't have to convince that to you because the Holy Spirit is doing that, even as I'm speaking to you right now. And if you've never made a commitment to Jesus, you can do it right now by praying this prayer. If you just repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. Wow. Please forgive me. I now turn from anything I know is wrong. And I thank you that you died on the cross for me so I could be forgiven, set free, and I ask you to come into my heart. Come, Jesus. And I receive you. And I thank you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.